Hello, and welcome to the Cosmic Cauldron with host Jamie and Charlotte, where we discuss spirituality, paganism, witchcraft, holistic lifestyles, and everything in between. So gather around the cauldron every Wednesday, where we brew up a new topic. All right. On this week's episode of the Cosmic Cauldron, we're going to be getting into some beginner witchcraft tips. I know this is a question that I'm asked a lot about. So we thought we would take this episode to dive into some of the tips that we find most useful in our own paths. Beginner witch or or baby witch is a term that I hear quite often in the witchy communities. And I'm frequently asked, what are my biggest beginner witch tips? A lot of times I am asked this question and I know that people are anticipating a a more elaborate response or or maybe they're they're hoping that I can point them in the direction of a spell book. But the best thing that you can do for your practice is to get down to the basics. And when I'm talking about basics, I am talking about learning how to work with energy and meditation, learning to control the state of your mind. First and foremost, the most important part of your practice is to begin learning about meditation. Jamie, I know you utilize this a lot in your own practice. Would you care to share your experiences on meditation? Yes. Yes, I would love to share about what I think to be one of the foundational parts of being not only a good witch, but a good human in general. Yes, absolutely. And... I, as a, as a mentor, have been asked multiple times about meditation. And again, I think sometimes people are looking for a more elaborate answer than what I like to give them um, and what I think is actually <laughs> rational. Um, it's, it's really quite simple. And it really just comes down to sitting with yourself and being comfortable with yourself and being responsible with your own energy. And meditation can help you achieve that. And so there's a couple of things that I always like to make sure that everyone understands going into meditation. There's so many different ways you can meditate. I mean, you can lay down flat and listen to someone talk. You can sit in the middle of the woods in a lotus position. You know, you can have walking meditations. You know, there's so many different ways to meditate. And it really just comes down to, like you said, learning to manage your own energy and get your mind to certain states because you cannot responsibly start manipulating things around you if you do not have control of your own self and your own mind. So I believe that this is where everyone should start. So I'm going to be talking about meditation in the form of, you know, in a quiet space, um, just you and your own mind, or maybe even perhaps a guided meditation, because I think that's where most people like to start, where most people are comfortable. Um, And then it can grow from there. So this is not an end-all be-all. This is just where I think you should start. But whenever you're talking about meditation, obviously the goal is to get out of the outside world and come back to yourself. So you want to get yourself into a position that's comfortable. And by position that's comfortable, I mean, a lot of times in guided meditations, they ask you to take a seated position or you can lay down. I do not like sitting up when I'm meditating. Me <laughs> I just, either. Yeah, I find that super uncomfortable and it, and I end up focusing too much on posture and not enough on my mind. So once you've mastered clearing your mind and that awareness, you can possibly try sitting up. Maybe in a chair might be more helpful, but I really prefer to lay down, usually on my bed <laughs> with a soft pillow. Um, and you just want to make sure that you're relaxed. Okay. Relaxed from head to toe. And so this is where the breathing comes in. Now, if you're doing a guided meditation, hopefully they're walking you through some breathing exercises. If not, I would recommend start taking some deep belly breaths, not chest breaths. We don't want your shoulders to go up and down. We want your belly to go up and down. And then you're going to start relaxing each part of you from your head to your toes or toes to your head, whatever's more comfortable. Breathing is very important. You want to get in that rhythmic breathing. That's what's going to help you relax your mind and relax your body. And it is this is the part where people normally get hung up, I think, right? Because then you have to clear your mind. You have to quiet your mind. And yes. yeah, so at this point, once you are breathing and you're relaxed, you have to just sit with the thoughts that come to you, right? Being very mindful. Now, if you're listening to something, maybe like a journeying type meditation, which I really like, they're going to take you down some sort of experience. So this part may not be 
as pertinent for you. But if you're just trying to sit with yourself, which I also do recommend doing, not just guided meditations all the time, then you've got to observe your thoughts as you're breathing with absolutely zero judgment. That's the hardest part for people is being able to see what comes up. Yeah, I know when I started meditating, the hardest part for me was the thoughts that creep in and sort of thinking that, you know, I needed to to not be thinking anything, to have a blank slate, but that's not actually the case. Yes, that is true. When I when I say clearing the mind, I suppose I mean more just kind of focusing on the moment, being present within your body and not thinking about, you know, necessarily maybe your to-do list for the day <laughs> or something you forgot to do yesterday, but just observing your mind almost like watching a TV and just paying attention to what comes up. And, you know, sometimes you see some really wild things, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it's really, you know, you just, it's not clearing out everything. It is the act of, of being present and being mindful and just fully experiencing, being present, just experiencing the moment as it comes. Now, yeah, you're right. You don't want to be going through your to-do list like that. That's not the purpose of this. It it is, you know, you do want to, to quiet your mind, but it doesn't have to be like a, a clear slate. And I know that 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 kind of held me back for the longest time. So yeah, I had I had to start with guided meditations as well. And another one for me was when I first started out the the best place cuz like you I I don't like sitting sitting up to me the you know focusing on my posture, you know, I'm like is my is my spine aligned? Am I sitting here correctly? Like that was that was a little too much for me. So if I'm not laying down, I actually like to to meditate in the bathtub. That was one of my favorite spots. Not, not, you know, in a, in a, I'm going to drown type of way, but, you know, to just, <laughs> uh, to, to have the water at a, a deep enough level that I could kind of cover my ears. So, cause I, I sometimes have sensory issues too, which I probably, you know, is why, why sitting up is not for me, but, you know, being able to kind of block out the sounds uh, of the outside world really helped me stay present in the moment. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, And I think is a really good tip for everyone listening out there because yeah, sensory issues. I mean, I'm very ADHD. So I'm usually popping some headphones in with either just some music or a guided meditation, depending on what my goal is. And I think it's important for people to understand that that's okay. Because I do think that sometimes movies and TVs portray meditation as some like ridiculously unattainable sacred thing you know, that only monks (laughs) in the mountains can really achieve with a completely silent mind, but it's just absolutely not the truth. No. And really the, the more that you practice it, like the, the reason that, you know, monks and this idea is portrayed is because these people have been practicing it for a while. You can get there, but it's going to take a lot of practice. Like you're, you're switching states of consciousness in your mind. There are different brain frequencies that monks can get to. They have actually done studies on monks and they can get to not even a lower register, but they can get to a higher register. So transcendence is what they get Mm -hmm. to, which is not something I'm capable of, but, you know, maybe one day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything comes with practice. And I think that one of the things, too, is understanding that. The thoughts that do come up in your mind when you're meditating, the things that you want to try and shove away, like, oh, no, I need to focus. That is probably actually your consciousness giving you a hint, an idea of what you actually need to work on. So whether that be anxieties that come up or things that make you uncomfortable, um, pay attention to those things and just don't the, I just want to stress here, like the non-judgment of whatever it is that comes to mind. You know, if it, if it does happen to be your to-do list or something you forgot, it's your consciousness letting you know that these are things that are maybe taking up a little bit too much space in your mind. You know, they're living rent-free and they're probably causing you some sort of distress in your life. And so that's the whole point. So uh, just be kind to yourself, you know, and and if you have things that come up that might be a little bit uncomfortable, that's the whole point. <laughs> so just pay attention to those things and, and give them some love. Give yourself some love. And when you start to create that awareness around yourself and these things that are coming up, that awareness alone helps you to get closer to working through them. It's hands down every single time I've wanted to work on something in my life or wanted to change something. As soon as I became aware of it and set the intention to make it better, 
then it's like the universe gets that ball rolling and they're like, okay, she's ready. You know, let's start making these changes, making these shifts. And it's incredible the the power that we have within ourselves to do that when we actually can sit with ourselves long enough <laughs> to become aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. During meditations, the goal is to to alter your your brain waves, to to get to a state of consciousness where you can where you can really focus on your intentions and and channel them and to, into making them happen. That that's really why meditation is so important. It is getting into the these other states of consciousness that allow you more access than than just the everyday grind, you know, like your to-do list or or just the everyday stresses of life. You want to remove yourself from that and get into a, a sacred space, a sacred head space. So you're able to channel your energy, you know, and you're able to, to not clear your mind, but to, to focus your mind on a particular intention. And that that's really why meditation is one of the most important things. And, and one other tip that I wanted to give for meditation, especially, you know, if you're like me and you have sensory issues and, you know, you hear everything around you, a, a little cheat that I like to do is binaural beats. How you need to go about this is you need to have either headphones or you would need to have complete silence. I prefer to have headphones in because what they do is they play two different frequencies and your brain registers the difference between those two frequencies. So it, it's kind of like a cheat to get into a, a different state of consciousness. And I, even to this day, I still use this a lot. Yes, I have used those as well. Um, and they are quite effective. And honestly, it, it feels like almost like tingly from head to toe. It's like it, it helps you get to that state of mind so quickly and so easily. It just feels really, really amazing. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. And and I just want to say as well that, again, yes, the whole point of, of meditation and why we mentioned this first is to be responsible with your own energy and come into the things we're about to get into next with a with a greater sense of responsibility, right? So shedding the anxiety, shedding the judgments, shedding the preconceived notions, and even sometimes like the trauma and things that we carry with us that can skew <laughs> our intentions sometimes when we do the work that we do, um, that we're going to get into in just a minute. Um, it's so very important to make sure that you're coming from a place of balance, yeah, I, for me and my practice, meditation is is like I said before, it's used to to create a sacred space, and you know it's like having an altar, you know, a, a sacred place, kind of in the mundane, you know, bringing the magical into the mundane. So it, it's like having an altar, but but that that altar is is you. It is within you. It is within your mind. So you know, being able to know, switch off the the outer influences and to really tap into yourself and to your own power. That that's one of the fundamental steps in beginner witchcraft. Like I I know that most people would want a spell book, you know, like where do I start here? Well, well, no, you know, it's not quite that simple. And this is where like my path as a very spiritual person and also kind of as a witch now myself kind of blends with witchcraft, right? And in, in paganism, it's because this is the beginning of any spiritual journey is meditation. And I think a lot of people like to skip that step. Like you're saying, they want to jump right into the good stuff, but you have yes. to start with personal growth first. You know, it's like, it's like going to school to be a doctor and just trying to jump right into surgeries. You know, you've got to learn all about the anatomy first, you know, all about the tools before you can jump right into that surgery room. So yeah. you can't skip the good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's building blocks and, you know, meditation, that is the first stop. So you have to you have to maybe not even master it. You just have to practice meditation and practice achieving different states, which leads us to our next topic. With with meditation, you are learning to be mindful and to to be present and to create a sacred space. And this bleeds into to being able to channel and control energy, which is the next thing that you should tackle on your journey, because everything in witchcraft 
is energy. It is learning how to, to manipulate energy. It is learning how to harness energy from yourself and from outside sources and to focus this energy and direct it towards your goal. Now, Jamie is is newer to, to the witchcraft portion of things, but she has been on a spiritual path for a long time. And this was also something that she, you know, was adeptly familiar with when she stepped into this. And, you know, it just goes to show that it's it's not only important in witchcraft. So, Jamie, what are your best tips for working with energy? So one of the first things I always like to make people aware of when you're going to be getting into energy work is understanding that Um, Your own energy can be tapped out very easily and that you do have to draw from other sources in order to continue to do this, this kind of work. Now, it is possible to use your own energy um, and sometimes it's actually, you know, warranted. Um, But a lot of times, especially me as a Reiki master, I often just channel energy from source to objects, to people, to myself. Um, And understanding that sometimes you're just the vessel, even for your own energy, you're just the vessel for this energy that exists and, and not allowing yourself to become someone or something's main source of energy. Okay. And understanding that you alone do not also need to absorb all of the energy that comes from around you or that you might be helping someone else with, um, that those are really quick ways to get overwhelmed, overstimulated, um, and even sick and ill. So I always like to start off by saying that is that it's important to make sure that you're maintaining your own energy properly and drawing from outside of you when you need to. Yes, absolutely. Now, while you can use your own energy, you know, our own energy is finite. So it depends on the type of spell work that I'm doing. You know, if, if it's just something small, if it's something that's not going to require a bunch of energy, I might just channel it for m- myself. But when I've got a larger goal in mind, when I, when I want to make something a bit larger happen, I'm going to be sourcing energy through, through different methods. Now, when we're using herbs or when we're using crystals, we are actually drawing from their energy. We are, we're taking the energy from the plants and the crystals themselves and applying it into our workings, but there are other ways to source energy. So you and I definitely work with energy in slightly different ways. And I think that's kind of the beauty of being on this kind of path is that you have that flexibility to work with things in the way that feels right for you and works for you and is comfortable for you. Um, For me, having a very spiritual background, um, I became a Reiki master in 2015. And so my idea of working with energy stems from a lot more of channeling energy from source, what I consider source or where I imagine energy comes from or is replenished. Um, Now, when I am setting intentions, you know, around the moon or, you know, doing a crystal grid or some sort of little spell, Um, I will very much infuse my own energy into that. Or like when I'm working with my cards, you know, I'll infuse my energy into my cards so that I can connect with that. Right. But I'm always careful to replenish my energy from that energy from source. So I'd like to look at myself as more of a vessel of this divine energy that I can then channel in different ways as I see fit. Um, More of like a just a vessel, you know, that's the word that comes to mind. It's just a a vessel of this energy that I have the amazing and sacred responsibility of sharing with others in the world. Yeah, I absolutely identify with that concept of being a vessel because you do tap into other sources. Now, for me, I've never referred to it as the source, but it makes sense to me. Absolutely. For my practice, I will either pull energy downwards from above, which to me sounds a lot like the the source that you're describing, but I can also pull energy from the earth, you know, and channel it upwards into myself. So, so source for me is is a bit different, but yeah, that, that's a great word that kind of in, incorporates it all. Another thing that, you know, we've talked about before is, is how we envision the actual energy that we're working with. 
Now, Jamie and I, we, we view energy in a, a similar way. However, you know, it's going to present itself, you know, different for everybody, but you know, I know that we've spoken about this before and, you know, for myself, you know, I view it as light. That's what I see. And, and that's kind of a, one of the more typical visualizations for working with energy. Now, energy work is, is very important. You know, we, we've already covered meditation. So energy is sort of that next step. You need to learn how to, to pull energy or how to you know, harness your own energy. And you also need to learn how to direct that energy, either into your spell work or you know, even into your, your morning cup of coffee. You, you need to be able to, to not only manipulate energy, but to, to be able to direct it as well. You know, for, for myself, as I'm visualizing it as light, you know, I know that it's not as simple and, and visualizations can be challenging. So if you're running into that issue, you can actually feel energy as well. So if visualizations are a problem for you, you know, that's not something that's going to stop you from working with energy because energy, the more that you practice it's going to become tangible. You are literally going to be able to feel the energy, you know, that that you're pulling and you're kind of accumulating. You'll be able to physically feel it. Now, sometimes this kind of feels staticky. Uh, for me, it's kind of tingly, but some people even say there there's a warmth to it. So however it presents itself to you. So if, if visualizations aren't your thing, you can you can work on physically feeling the energy in order to be able to to manipulate it and to direct it. Yes, actually, I'm glad that you said that um, because when I was learning Reiki, uh, one of the things I was doing to practice was infusing my water that I would drink with Reiki energy, which, by the way, is really incredible. You should try it. <laughs> um, you don't have to know Reiki to do that. You can still just, you know, intentionally direct, you know, divine energy to to whatever it is you're going to be drinking. Like she said, your morning cup of coffee will work as well. Um, but I remember having this metal cup and this was years ago, but I had my hands around it and I'm just sending Reiki to my water. Um, and all of a sudden the metal cup got really hot. <laughs> Ooh. My were hot, the cup was hot. And, and to me, that was such proof of the work that I was doing. And I was just so impressed. Um, so yeah, heat is absolutely one way that you can sense the energy because it's, it is, it is scientifically light energy. That's what, I mean, that's what we all are. We're all light energy. And so you're just channeling that and harnessing, you know, a lot of that in one space. And so that creates a lot of energy when you think in terms of science, you know, the atoms are moving really, really fast and that does create heat. So if you're scientifically minded, there's a little bit of that for you. <laughs> we don't get into a lot of that here, but, but it is fun to think about. And um, so, yeah, there, there's so many different ways that you can sense the energy. And it just, again, comes down to what you're comfortable with and what kind of comes naturally for you. I think from the very beginning, you'll know, you'll know in what way that you sense it the most and want to work with it the most and, and just go with that. You know, don't feel like you have to do it all or do it just like someone else. Yeah, absolutely. One way to familiarize yourself with the way that energy feels is... If you're working with a partner, you have somebody, have them put their hand very close to you, but not physically touch you. You will be able to feel the touch on your skin, even though there is no physical touch, you know, taking place, you will be able to feel the energy of that other person. You can even do it with your own hands. In fact, this is another way that you can work with energy. And it's one of the best methods for, for starting out working with energy is to channel all the energy into the palm of your hands and start to develop an energy ball. The purpose of this is to, to practice channeling your energy. Now into this energy ball, you continue to add your own energy into it until you can feel it growing in size. As you're doing this, you will be cupping your hands around the energy and you will physically feel the circumference of the energy ball. This is one way to familiarize yourself with one, being able to channel your own energy and two, to be able to, to actually feel it, you know, that tangible sensation. 
Yes, this is something that um, I've actually used in Qigong, um, but also just in meditation in general is something that they teach. And yeah, you do. You kind of create, You it's like you're holding a ball in front of you. Um, and, and I generally try to do it at like waist level um, because our, our womb center is the seat of our energy. So that's usually where I like to kind of cup my hands together. Like I'm holding a ball and you kind of want to expand out and then come back in. It's like... Um, like pulsing. Pulsing is the idea that comes to mind. You kind of expand the energy and then you tighten it back up. And eventually the more you do that, it just grows and grows and grows until you have this amazing light ball of energy. And it's, it is so very tangible and it's a really fun way to show yourself how to work with energy, but also others, because then you can have other people kind of reach over and touch this ball of energy and they can feel it. It makes a great party trick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that, that pulsating thing. Yeah. You're really, what you're, what you're accomplishing by this is, is you're kind of condensing all that energy down and it's becoming compact and it becomes an actual physical sensation. You can even take this energy ball and infuse it with an intention and transfer this energy ball back into yourself. You know, that way you're kind of recouping some of that energy loss because when you are using your own energy, like we said earlier, you know, it's finite it's going to be taxing. So there are ways to replenish your energy once you've done this work. You know, if you're not sourcing from from outside sources and in in witchcraft, like I said earlier, you know, this can be crystals, this can be herbs. It can come from the skies. It can come from the ground. And, you know, if you work with deities, it can come from that energy as well. You know, there's many ways and many types of sources that you can gather energy from in your workings. But when you're working solely with your own energy, it's tiring. Like it it is, you know, this, you know, think about it. You know, this is your energy. After you've created this energy ball, you know, you can fuse this with an intention and place it back. I know that people aren't looking at me as I'm (laughs) directing traffic over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do not be tempted to Dragon Ball Z it at somebody. Um, I know that it is tempting. But, but, <laughs> is, is, is that really a rule? <laughs> I mean, if you want to learn some lessons very quickly, <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> uh, no, no, you, you really, you know, if you are channeling this into somebody else that is not yourself, you, you do want their consent. Consent is important. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if you are working with just your own energy, you're going to need to replenish that. And there are several ways, and some of them are pretty simple. For instance, one way to replenish your energy is is simply to eat. And you can eat, you know, you want to eat foods that are good for you. You don't want to go grab that bag of chips, but, you know, you want to revitalize yourself, you know, physically. And and this can be done by, by eating Ideally, they would be, you know, earthy foods that are good for you, but you you want to replenish your energy. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to replenish my energy is just to get out in nature. Now, I didn't mention this earlier, but one of the ways I do channel energy and replenish my energy is with the earth the earth's energy, you know, it's this abundant source of amazing grounded energy. And I do find myself often escaping to nature whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed or, or just a little bit low in my energy. But especially if I've done a lot of energy work, that's the first place I go, you know, I go sit on a stump or on the ground or I hug a tree. And and you just let Mama Earth just transmute any energy that you need to let go of and replenish at the same time. It's like it's like this dual thing that happens that's just oh, like I get tingly just thinking about it. Absolutely. Going outdoors is one of the best methods because not only are you getting that energy, you know, from the earth itself, you're getting it from, you know, assuming, assuming, you know, this is during the daytime, you're getting that solar energy as well. Okay, so we have touched on on meditation and channeling and sourcing energy, which are two fundamental building blocks into creating your own path and expanding your practice. You know, these these are the the initial phases, you know, what you need to maybe not master to at least have a grasp of these concepts and be working towards them. You need to develop these first. But but 
what I consider the third most important thing, and maybe not the third, but it's third on this list. And it's something that you need to do before you start casting your own spells. And this is protection magic. To me, this is arguably one of the most important types of magic to incorporate into your practice. And you need to do this from the beginning. You want to have your protections in place. Now, the reason for this is, you know, we are elevating our consciousness. We are working with energy. We want to be able to protect ourselves. We need to create a safe space and a boundary around us. Now, this can be, you know, on your person or this can be your home. You can make, you know, the circumference of this as large as you would like, but you want you want a safe space. You know, you want to be protected before you go into to any of your workings. So protection magic is something that I learned coming into the path as a witch that I was already doing as a spiritual person. And so I think that they blend seamlessly together. um, And I really love that because there were things that I was already doing that weren't called protection magic. They were just called protections, you know, but again, that's what it is. Working with energy is magic. That's why when people ask me, what is magic to you? It's energy. It's working with energy, you know? And so I've learned a lot of different methods throughout the years, and I've got a couple that I want to share. And so one of them that I want to mention is something that you would really only use when you maybe have to be in a situation that you think might be, I don't want to say harmful, but might be a little bit overwhelming. Um, It might be potentially harmful, or maybe you're doing some sort of reading um, or something, but I call it the zipper method. And it's basically where you imagine yourself putting on a jumpsuit, like a head to toe zippered jumpsuit of protection energy. And I just usually envision that as like a glowing white jumpsuit. Um, I use this when I used to do photo readings, um, sometimes when I'm doing readings for certain people um, and I feel like I need it, um, like their energy might contain some things that I don't want to have to deal with. Um, you basically just step into it just like you're getting dressed into a jumper and you zip it up. And the thing about this one is that it is it is. It conforms to your body, which I thought was really important and why I came up with this method. Because a lot of times when people think protection around them, they'll do like a bubble or something around them, which can be effective. Um, But sometimes it leaves a little bit of a room for air, right? (laughs) So this one only takes into account really like your physical energy body, as well as maybe a layer or two away from your physical body. Um, So it is very, very protective. It's not going to let anything in. And so I only recommend using this one in, you know, the most extreme conditions. Now, see me, I am, I am full bubble boy over here. For me, I, when I am doing a protection, you know, for myself personally, it is, it is a bubble around me for sure. And I have been using this method for, for many years. For me, it, it works pretty well. Now, granted, I am a home buddy, so I, I don't have to. <laughs> there's not too many other energies outside of the ones in my home that I have to entertain. But I do love the idea of a, a body-conforming suit. It's not, not anything I've ever, ever used, but that that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, and I would say, like, I would probably use this more in a situation where I feel like I might actually have bodily harm versus energetic harm. Um, But it does work quite well for, for both. Um, But again, it doesn't necessarily protect the outer layers of your aura, just more the, the ones right around your body. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can, (laughs) you can look up um, the different, um, you know, energy bodies that we contain. There's many, many layers that extend quite far from us. Um, yes. But, you know, I have a I have a bubble method as well that I do use. Um, and I and I tend to use it more for clearing. So if I feel like I've absorbed something that um, I need to get rid of, or if I'm just feeling overwhelmed and I, I feel like as an empath, maybe I've absorbed too much around me. I use my bubble method. I create this this light bubble around me. And it's kind of like a grid, like a light grid. And what I do is I, I, it's kind of like a filter. So the filter is going to allow everything that doesn't serve me to leave. But the only thing allowed back in the bubble is love and light energy. 
right? So it's kind of like, um, I'll sit with this and I'll ask um, the guides that I work with to help me remove this energy. And it just shoots out of the bubble. And sometimes see when you are removing things like that from yourself, they'll want to come right back. You know, it's kind of like a boomerang sometimes. So I create this bubble, this light grid bubble around me so that once it leaves, it cannot come back. And sometimes I'll sit there for a while and just allow my guides to, to help me clear my energy and just, you know, bask in the, (laughs) in the love that's happening in that moment. So that is one way that I do use the bubble because I feel like sometimes if you're using a bubble just for protection, it doesn't always cover all of you. Um, And sometimes you can be unaware of weak points in your bubble. So just awareness there, I think is really key, but that's one way that I use it is a, is like a light grid filter. I love that. It's, it's funny to me because this is, this is one of the ways that, you know, although the, the methods are different, they're, they're very similar. When I am creating an energetic bubble, I am, you know, and for me, yes, full bubble boy over here, I am pushing out any energy that I, you know, am trying to let go of in the formation of that bubble. Like I am pushing it outward. And as I am forming the the bubble, it becomes sort of a shield from everything that I am pushing out. So it's sort of the same method. You know, while there are slight differences between the two methods, you know, where I'm just sort of, you know, physically exerting uh, everything out of me during the formation of it, it, you know, it's the concept is the same. And, you know, that's where, you know, visualizations are really going to be different for everybody. So you have to find a method that works for you. Yeah. And why meditation was the first thing that we needed to mention here um, on this episode today, because the more you meditate, the more these visualizations are going to come to you. Um, You know, I I can't explain hardly over the years. It's like leveling up. It feels like, you know, you do a meditation, all of a sudden you're seeing all these grids and angles and, and all this light energy that you never saw before in a new way. And it's like little pieces of the puzzle that help you to create better things like protection magic. You understand things differently. And that's why I said I create I create a light grid. You know, when I first started on this path eight years ago, I didn't know how to do that. You know, this is something that came with experience. So it is a little bit more advanced. But that's why meditation is so important um, because it can help you to see more of these things that we're talking about and use them in, in whatever way works for you, because I wasn't taught how to do that. You know, I, it's just something that came naturally to me that I just started using. So yeah, it's, it's really special in that way, how you can just sort of create what works for you. Yeah. You know, it's a very personal journey. And like we stated before on this episode, you know, not everybody is, is able to visualize. So, you know, this would be another instance where you can sort of feel the energy. Now, for me, a bubble is is very significant. In, in witchcraft, a lot of the times you're casting a circle and what you're doing, you know, so that, you know, the bubble is very significant to me. You know, when you're casting a circle, which to be quite honest, I don't do for everything, but <laughs> it it is to create an energetic barrier. Now, inside this circle is sacred. Outside of this circle, nothing is allowed in. You have created a barrier for yourself. And so the circle for me or or the bubble, you know, is is pretty significant. But outside of, you know, creating an energetic barrier for for yourself or, you know, for a circle, if you're, you're doing spell work, you can actually enchant items or or other items already kind of serve a protective purpose, you know, and, you know, when I'm saying this, what I'm thinking of is particular crystals like, like tourmaline or obsidian. These are very protective crystals, you know, that you can set with an intention and use around your home to repel certain energies that you're not trying to attract. And if you haven't listened to our episode on crystals, that episode goes over this in a little more detail, but for right now, there's a few crystals that work really well for this, but you can also do it with objects like horseshoes. Now, when you're using objects around your home for the for the purpose of protection, like hanging a broom over your doorway or hanging a horseshoe, you know, these are called wards. 
So another way that you can use protection magic is with colors as well. Um, each color has its own particular energy. And one in particular I just want to mention is this particular blue color. Um, it's like this cool green tinted shade of blue that oftentimes, especially in the South, you see painted on the ceilings of porches and eaves around a home. And it's said to not only keep um, wasps and other flying insects away because it tricks them into thinking that it's water, um, but it's also said to keep spirits away from your house as well because of the fact that it looks like water. And supposedly in some cultures, spirits don't like to cross bodies of water. Um, and so it's just another way that you can use you know, protection magic um, with something really fun like that. And it's, <laughs> that's actually something that I've wanted to do. Um, I have like these just plywood eaves around my house and I'm dying to paint them blue. Um, I think in this instance, it's called a haint blue, but you can use any kind of light greenish blue color that you want. As long as it looks like water, it's not really particular. Um, but, you know, every color has its own energy, you know, red, is very fiery, very, you know, um, erotic sometimes, you know, green is very grounding, it can stimulate hunger. And so no matter what your goal is, there's going to be a color energy that can help you achieve what you want as well. Whether you use that with just like paper that you write on or the color of the candle that you're working with. Um, I just wanted to mention that as another fun way that I like to use energy and, and work it into my protection practices as well. Absolutely. Oh, what you're touching on is color magic. And that's something, you know, that's very prevalent in my practice. And, and a lot of, a lot of practitioners will actually paint their door blue for protection. Uh, but I mean, they'll use other colors as well. I know purple is a popular one and they use it, you know, using the correspondences of a particular color. And that is, that's a great way to incorporate protections into your practice. And one last thing that I want to mention is a method I call light bombing. And this is something that I actually learned, oh gosh, in the very beginning of my journey um, when I started having night terrors. Um, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and just feel absolutely scared in my own bed, in my own house. And if you've ever had a night terror, you know what I'm talking about, or like sleep paralysis. Um, you just, you wake up from that just kind of absolutely terrified. And so at the time when this started happening, I had just started working with the archangels and archangel Michael is the archangel of protection. And I was, I still work with him a lot, um, when it comes to protecting and protecting not only me, but my home as well. And I remember just sort of getting these like um, visualizations from him um, and it, for this method. And so I call it light bombing. But basically what I imagine is um, sort of a bubble over whatever it is that you want to clear, you know, or or make light again. Um, you know, so in my case, I felt like there were some, some spirits in my home that I weren't, you know, I wasn't particularly fond of. And so I imagined sort of this like triangular bubble over my entire house and the entire property. And at the tip of that was this cone of light that would come in and it would slowly fill the entire triangle, one room at a time, one piece of property at a time until the entire property and home was completely filled with light. And as that light came in, it would shove out anything that wasn't that light, if that makes sense. Um, and so that is one way that I used it. Um, and every time I did that, it felt like a total reset and, and, it, and it just worked so well. But uh, another way that I use it, maybe in not such a heavy manner, is almost like a blessing sometimes too. So there was this place that I used to work and one of the employees there had just a really nasty attitude and was just really weird. And I didn't like to be around them. And but I had to go to work. Right. There was no way around it at the time. So what I would do is when I would pull up to work, I would sit in the car for a moment and I would do this light bombing on the store. OK, <laughs> now, again, you want to be careful with your intentions. OK, I didn't want to push any business away. I didn't want to necessarily push him away. So all I did is I just kind of. In, intentionally infused the light energy with just love 
And I would just light bomb the whole store with just love and ask that anything that wasn't love (laughs) would not be there. And every time I did this, it made for such an amazing day. And I will, I kid you not, this person ended up, I don't want to say their, their personality changed, but their attitude towards me definitely changed and they almost became a better employee as well. So, um, Another reason why it's so important to be careful with your intentions and what you're doing, because what you do ripple out and it ripples out and it does affect everything around you. And you always want to create good. Right. So I feel like like while I was doing myself a favor, I was doing the store and perhaps him a huge favor as well. You know, what I find most amusing about this is you have been witchy for much longer than you have been able to call yourself a witch, because the what you just described uh, is actually a. It's, it's also used in uh, the Wiccan religion. They call it the, the cone of power. So wow. it, at least as far as the, the triangular shape. And, but what they use it for, it, it's when you're casting a circle, you're envisioning like a triangular shape. And this energy is, is where you channel your energy through. But it's also very protective in nature, too. You know, it's that energetic barrier, you know, that we've been talking about as far as protection magic goes. So <laughs> as you're describing that, I'm like, wild. Huh. Yeah. And I love it. You know, and that's, that's guys, this is why we wanted to do this podcast because we have found so many similarities like this, you know, things that we both did that match each other, but were called yes. something completely different. Yeah. I had no idea. I've never looked into uh, Wicca. Um, I've yeah. had Wiccan friends, but I've never dug into it that deep. I would have never known that. And it's just something that just came to me. So it's like, while we all believe so many different ways sometimes, and we have different perspectives of things, it's like at the heart of things, it's all the same, right? It's all the same. Yeah, there's um, there's uh, there's a term that is is used in in practice a lot, and it, it's UPG. You know, it's unverified personal gnosis, and it's funny how how people can come to similar conclusions using UPG is definitely a method that you should utilize in your own practice, you know, cause this needs to be personalized to you. You know, you really have to, you really have to connect with your practice and your craft. Now we've gone over a couple, you know, we've gone over crystals and making wards and color magic and energetic barriers, but uh, but there are also a few other methods that you can use. Uh, one of my favorites, and probably just because, you know, I, I'm a bit of a green witch or at the bare minimum, I at least like to garden, is is planting particular plants by your front door. And one of those, which people who know me uh, know that I have a bit of a rosemary um, obsession. Yeah, obsession sounds right. <laughs> So you can you can actually strategically plant rosemary, you know, near your near your entrances to to serve as, you know, a protection method. You can also another method using herbs is is smoke cleansing. And you can use many different materials for this. You can use lavender. You can use juniper. You can use rosemary. uh, And dragon's blood. There's several different kinds of smoke cleansing that you can use as, as a protection for your home and to clear out those, you know, stagnant and negative energies. And lastly, you can also use floor washes, you know, for this, you would use herbs that have protective properties and you would just go about cleaning your home and, and doing so intentionally. Uh, A lot of times, you know, they're depending on your practice, it is advised to start at the back of the home and work your way to the front. That way you're kind of ushering out those energies out, you know, from the back all the way out the front door. But, you know, a lot of practices are more lax than that. So, you know, it's just kind of cleaning with the intention of both protecting and cleansing your home. Tip number four is to read as much as you possibly can. And when you're reading, you'll want to go into different traditions to sort of see what works for you. And, you know, by this, I'm not stating closed practices, but you will want to read about different types of, of magic to kind of see what aligns with you and what interests you. One thing to be mindful of is to 
flip to the back of the book or, you know, sometimes at the end of the chapter and see where the author is, is getting his sources from. Not only does this, you know, give the, the author credibility, it also gives you new material to read. And now I'm not saying that you have to become fully immersed in, you know, I need every witchy book out there, but you should at least pick up a few different and and see what kind of aligns with you. Now, however, even though I find reading to be of particular importance, after you have, have gotten a good grasp on meditation, energy work, and you have your protections in place, the next thing that you need to do is to start practicing. I know that often a person lacks confidence in the beginning, but the one way to build up your confidence is to get out there and start practicing, you know, and you're going to make mistakes and that's going to be okay. But I promise you the spells that you create your own are going to be far more powerful than those that you have gotten from others. Yes. One of the biggest tips I can give you when it comes to reading and learning and absorbing knowledge from other people and other sources is taking everything with a grain of salt. Um, I have made the mistake. And I guess you could call it, I mean, you can call it a mistake. Maybe I think, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason. But learning something and treating it as law immediately because you're so excited about it. And it's something new and Instead of kind of taking perspective and going, okay, how do I, how does this really sit with me completely? How do I feel about this? And just, again, using that discernment to determine what parts you want to actually pick up and what parts you want to leave. Because I have followed a number of people throughout the years, uh, mentors, you know, teachers, and, you know, everyone walks their own path. And again, I think this comes down to People need to help you facilitate your own learning and your own growth and not necessarily tell you exactly what you need to be doing and right from wrong. So, yeah, just keeping in mind that you're here to form your own practice and not, you know, initiate yourself into a cult. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Just say no. Yeah. Follow someone else's life and someone else's practice and someone else's ideas as your own because you might have similarities, you know, like you and I, Charlotte, have obvious similarities in our path and how we work on things. Um, but I would never try to be you and I would never expect you to try to be me, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. This, you know, this practice is is very individual. So, you know, as you're reading this book, and, and while I do recommend reading, you're not reading it to adopt another person's practice. You're, you're reading it to one, you know, if you don't know the, you know, the fundamentals, start with some beginner books, learn those fundamentals. You know, although we have gone over a few of them here, you know, sometimes sitting with a book allows a new perspective, but you're not reading these books to, you know, to become this other practitioner what you're doing is, is you're laying the foundation for your own practice. And that should look different from another person. You know, it's, it's completely individual, you know, it's completely unique to you. And I think this can circle back to, to being aware of energy, you know, making sure that you're aware of energy. And even when sometimes people's intentions were to, for lack of a better way to put this, to rope you in to how they believe. Because that has happened to me a number of times. And it's just something that you have to be aware of. Even when you're going into a big box store, you know, how many times do you walk in a store and then all of a sudden you're like over, you have this overwhelming, like warm, fuzzy urge to like buy things that wasn't there before. You know, there's, there's corporations and there's people that exist that sell things and they're specifically working with energies to get you to buy things (laughs) and to do things and to believe things. So again, you know, you just have to be super discerning and and aware of energies and when they're pulling and tugging in ways on you that, that they aren't supposed to. Yeah. I, there, I have read at least a handful of books where, you know, after the first, you know, chapter or so, because I usually give a book a chance, you know, to kind of get the, the feel of it, I'll close it and I will never look back. Like this does not sit with me. You know, this is not my path. You know, it works for them. That's great. And, you know, that that's one of 
that's it's just very important to do in your own practice. You know, does this, you know, person and their ideals align with me? What what is the energy and the overall feeling of this book? Now, I do advocate for reading uh, and, and I do this so you don't learn everything exclusively from Instagram or TikTok. Now, while there are some some kernels of truth that you can find out on on Instagram and TikTok, and, and yes, I'm saying this and I run a run a page on Instagram, um, but but, you know, you want to gather knowledge from actual books. I, I love learning from visuals. That's why I use my infographics on my personal Instagram, but you want to actually dive into other material. So you want to incorporate books into your practice, you know, at bare minimum when you're in the preliminary stages and you're, you're building those foundational blocks, you definitely want to be doing some readings, but you know, like we've said before, Take from it what you will and leave the rest. Yes. And if you guys haven't checked out her Instagram at this point, you definitely need to. Um, Eclectic Charge on on Instagram. She heavily researches everything she posts there. So you can pretty much guarantee (laughs) that her information is backed up um, by facts and tons of research. And it's a her her page there is a great way to learn all about you know witchy things, spirituality, even sometimes, um, and just how to work with energies and things. So definitely go check that out. But um, but yes, I think the new trend now because TikTok is so huge and Instagram is just that tried and true that's never going away. So, so many of these baby witches, beginner witches, um, and even people beginning in spirituality. They just hop right in and they just get down these rabbit holes, right, of, of information. And the thing is, is that on TikTok especially, um, creating content there is so quick. You know, it's so easy to do and it's more difficult to verify. And like I said just a few minutes ago, it's so easy to get really excited when you learn something that you've never heard before. And just because it's exciting and it feels really cool or here it sounds really cool doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's truth. Um um, I am no longer on TikTok, but when I was, oh my goodness, the sheer amount of misinformation when it comes to witchcraft and, and spiritual things and how to work with energy was just astounding to me. And so for someone who's not as experienced as I am, or you are Charlotte, you know, I can only imagine the, the, you know, how misguided someone could be. So yeah, just be sure to research everything in multiple ways, not just on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about it. These people have 60, 30 to 60 seconds to grab your attention. So providing shock value, you know, is in their benefit. So you, you you do have to take everything with a grain of salt. Now on, on my own Instagram page, yes, these are backed by, by multiple books. And I, always encourage somebody to do your own reading, to do your own research. Hell, I'm even encouraging you now. So when you see these things and they are of interest to you, go ahead and dig a little further. See what you can find out. Don't accept anything at face value. And one last thing I just want to mention to wrap up this episode is that progression and growth are the goal here. Always strive to be a better version of you and to learn more but in whatever way that looks like for you, don't feel like this is a race, okay? Don't feel like you have to keep up the pace with someone else because we're we're as individual as snowflakes. Everyone is going to learn in their own time. Everyone is going to progress in their own time. But as long as that's the goal and the intention is to learn more, absorb more knowledge, and to just be a better witch or spiritual person, then you are on the right path. Yeah, you want to constantly evolve, you know, you you don't want to remain stagnant. All right. All right. So those are our tips for beginner or baby witches. And we hope that these have helped you. So we do hope that you've really enjoyed this episode. And as always, we would love to hear your thoughts over on our Instagram at Cosmic Cauldron Podcast. You can shoot us a DM or you can comment on any of our photos. Charlotte does amazing work with our graphics over there. And remember that we drop a new episode every Wednesday. So we hope to see you next week as well. 
next recipe. Peace out.